Are you ready for the word? Yes. You ready now? Yes. Sure. Hundred percent. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna continue. I'm going to continue where I left off last week. But before that, I need us to do one thing. I need us to acknowledge every person who is listening to SoundCloud um, around the world. It's it's amazing. People have started writing in now and and you know thanking us and doing cool stuff. So I know that the word is of life is going out abroad. So I just want us to just give them a quick shout out and a praise and say thank you Jesus for every person that is listening to the word around the world. And this church loves them. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Um, quickly, let's open our Bibles to Proverbs 25, and I'm going to read one verse, <laughs> and we'll see where we go from there. The book of Proverbs, chapter 25. This is a very um, common scripture, but I, want, I feel like there's glory in it. Twenty-five and verse two. Actually, we'll, we'll read. Yeah, verse two. I want you. I want us to read it together, because I needed to settle it. Settle in our spirit. One, two, three. Let's read it again. It's the glory of God. We'll start from there, okay? It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of a king to search it out. There comes a point in our life where God begins to mature us. We're always on a, uh, on a process of maturing. If you came into life when life began, we were at one stage of maturing. Today, the things that we communicate from this pulpit, the things that we're doing in this church, we're at a, at a very, in my opinion, very advanced stage. This church has the capacity to understand the deep mysteries of God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, I don't, I don't um, uh, think that you are immature. I think that you are, I believe that you are mature. I believe that you have the ability to capture and understand God's word. But we never sit and, and say, okay, we've reached. We've, we, we never settle. Because God, the, the, the nature of God's word is that he's progressive. He's constantly progressing. So today, you're going to hear scriptures that you have been hearing over the last four or five weeks. But we're going to go a little more deeper. Okay? So it is the glory of God. So the natural state of God is that he likes to hide things. It's his natural state. He loves to hide things because everything to God that he does is precious to him. He doesn't take what, what is his and throw it at people's feet so that they can uh, trample over it. He calls them swine, but you're not swine. You are sons. 
So there is a maturing that happens to us. Uh, we were at one stage orphans, and then we matured into becoming sons. Right? And so, but I, I really believe that God does not stop there. Sonship is your identity, but when you come into a place of sonship, then what? There is a purpose that God has for every son. And it is called co-laboring. You understand? You you can be a uh, for example, if a, if a son, if a dad has a business, if I have a business, and and I've and I've spent thirty years developing that business, and I've come to a stage now, my son is twenty years old, thirty years old, whatever. I've groomed him to 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 be a businessman to take over the business to handle my business. But there there is a point in time where my son and I will, will come to office together. And then he, I begin to talk to him and teach him my mindset and my ways of doing business. Not just business, but my ways of doing business. So that there comes a point in time when it's time for me to kick up my feet and chill in the Bahamas. <coughs> my son can work hard. <laughs> and then he does that to his sons and his daughters and you know what I mean. When I'm talking about sons, I'm, just, I'm talking about us. Everybody is a son in the kingdom of God. And, and so there comes a point in time where we, we mature from, from just being, you know, I'm a son. I'm, I'm, you know, God is my papa. He's my daddy. You know, we have to mature from that language to understanding that we're co-laboring with purpose in mind. There's a maturing that takes place from people who feel really good about church to come into church with purpose in mind. And it's a maturing that takes place where, 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 where don't, we don't see the kingdom of God according to just our identity anymore. We see the kingdom of God according to what he wants to get done. And so today we're going to step, we're going to progress into what I call kingship kingship all right so you go from being an orphan in the darkness and you're brought into the light and he makes you a son some of us have the mindset of an orphan although our identity is still sons and although we're still sons and he's made us kings we still have the identity of sons See, uh, I'm, I'm just speaking this because I'm creating the possibility of you maturing into kingship some of us, I know I, we spoke on the spirit of the sun last week and our identity is just being formed and we're really getting to enjoy it. But trust me, the way God is working in this season now is that it's fast. He needs, he needs, call, he needs laborers. He needs, lab, he needs people who can call labor with him who understand that this now is not about me. This is about my father's business. And Jesus communicated that all the time. I'm here not because I want to enjoy life. I'm here because I, I'm, I'm about my father's business. And so today I'm, I'm going to invite you into understanding what it means to co-labor with God and how we co-labor with God. So it's a, it's a teaching and a preaching, hopefully, so that you'll stay connected. But it's a teaching. And I'm going to go through things. I'm going to say things that you've not heard before. Okay? And you, you must understand why it happens. Okay? 
you must understand why certain things happen and why God allows certain things to happen. So it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it is the glory of a king to reveal it. I'll, I'll say it a little bit more slowly so you can understand what is happening in these two phrases. The two com common denominators in these two sentences is glory. It's the glory of God to conceal. But the glory of a king to reveal. To search it out. So the conclusion from these two sentences is that it is glory that conceals and glory that reveals. Do you understand? This is the foundation of this message. If you can get these two sentences, you'll be fine through the entire message. But if you don't get it, then you will be struggling through the message. Okay? It, that's why I'm taking my time. The, it is the glory of God. So God has glory that conceals. But it is the glory of a king. Your, it's, the, it's the progressed identity. It's not the glory of a son. To search out a matter. Because a son is only about him and Papa. And I'm like, ah, oh, just sit in the presence. I love my God, my Father. And there's a place for it. And you will always be a son. But there comes a time when the whole of heaven looks at you and looks at the sphere of influence God has given you and says, what are you doing about that? Do you understand? You have to come into a place of maturing that God gives you a business like Amos and Priya. God gave them a business. And in 2017, they, they began to understand. 2018, they began to understand what is God's purpose for their life and their business. And it had to do with the king's dominion, the kingdom. And they started applying the principles. They started searching out they started searching out the, the mysteries. They started looking for what is it about God? What is God hiding? And it caused them to multiply and get blessed. There's a glory when, when you reach uh, uh, in your bank account 10,000 dirhams. There's a glory. There's a glory increases when you reach 100. There's a glory, it increases when you reach a million. Do you understand? There's a glory when, you become, when you're an orphan. There's a glory when you become a son. And there's a glory when you become a king. A kingly glory is not a glory that is bestowed upon you. It's, it's in your DNA. Nobody can walk into the room and say, I'm a king. You can't decide that you're a son of God. You are invited in. You're brought in. So you walk in as an orphan. He calls you as his son. And then he gives you a crown. But the crown is for a purpose. You've got to do something. So... When a, a king wants to grow 
in glory. He searches matters out. The matters of God doesn't search the matters of the world. Come on now. He doesn't search, what should I do to uh, solve the recession problem on the earth? That's where the church is. How do I solve, how do I eradicate poverty on the earth? Oh, that's not, he's not interested in that. God's not walking around the planet going, okay, I need somebody who I can fix the, the drainage system in the world. Mm, I need somebody to fix uh, the recession problem. The banking industry needs help. I need somebody over there, and I need somebody over there. Not interested in that. Because in an instant, he can change everything. You understand? In an instant, God is so powerful that he can change everything in an instant. My God is not even running after souls. He's not in a hurry to get people saved. Because in an instant, he said, the Bible says that a nation can be saved in a day. Have you heard of that ever before? A nation can be saved in a day. God does it all by himself. Doesn't need you. <laughs> wow. So, Pastor John, what are you saying? Everything that they told us growing up in the church, you've just removed it out. <laughs> so what do we do? It's the glory of a king to search a matter out. A lot of times we focus energy on, we need to build evangelism teams. We need to go and evangelize. Call the lost home. <laughs> I don't have a house that big enough for the lost. That's why God bought all the lost and put them in the world. Anyway, anyway, just, I'll leave that, I'll leave that. The evangelists are getting a little bit, uh, the ones who love evangelism are like, what are you saying? You just killed my ministry. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You must understand, uh, an evangelist and an apostle is very similar. They sent out ones. They go and live in a place. They stay. They don't go do mass crusades. They go and stay somewhere. And wherever they are, they talk about Jesus. We're all evangelists. Because we all talk about Jesus all the time. We're introducing the one that we love the most all the time. We go to a hospital and he gives us a report. The doctor gives us a report and we're introducing Jesus to him. We're evangelizing. And when his, when his report is proven wrong, we say, well, do you believe? Come on, man. Come on. There, there is no two-step process in the kingdom of God. Please understand that. I'm trying, to room, I'm trying to get us to get out of that way of thinking because God is calling us to search a matter out. What is the matter? This matter is called faith. Faith is a substance. It's a matter. And when a king understands that if I want to grow in authority, brother, if I want to grow in influence, if I want to have, if I want my company to grow, what am I going to do? I'm going to invest more into my company. I'm going to get more employees to come in and work. I'm going to invest more in my products. And so what we do as kings in the kingdom of God is that we take our one thing called time. And we, which is very precious. And we take it and we spend time searching the mysteries of God. So you can say, well, Pastor John, what are you saying? I can read my Bible. 
and uh, lots of things will happen? No. There's a difference between reading your Bible and searching for him. You must understand, every time you go into God's word and you search the mysteries and you get even one revelation, personal revelation, there's, a, there's an authority that comes. It's, a, it's an impartation of his glory. You must understand this. If, let's say for example, if the glory of God is this book, which it is, okay? And there's, there's something on the pages of this book that I need to search out. I need to go, if this is glory, okay? I need to go into glory and open it up and I need to look into the Lord. When I look into the Lord, now I have an impartation of glory. I've got it. Because he makes the way for me to receive revelation. See, a lot of the times we want revelation. We're happy sitting in those chairs, but we never pursue it. Pastor, you give us the revelation. And the problem with that is that you will always be a disciple. And you'll be comfortable being a son. But you will never move in authority. You will never step into a place where, where you can speak to mountains and mountains will move. See, that kind of authority comes only to a king who has an influence. Do you understand? Which king in his kingdom walks down the street and people don't move? Which king in, in his own country will say, bring this servant here, do this, do that, and it does not happen? Yeah. My gosh. It's called dishonor. A lot of the times, Christians are very happy with being dishonored by their problems. Rather than taking authority and stepping into a place where they can command mountains to move and it will move. Do you understand? It's very important that you get this. Because glory, the glory of God has a purpose. The glory of God makes God visible. So the title of my message today is a visible God. Visible God. Okay. Today, I'm going to make him visible. I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. That you have seen God. It's just that the glory did not describe him to you. So today you're going to understand now. This is a good, good message if you are plugged in. Okay? Right. So I want you to go. Um, actually, before I go there. Actually, just let's go there to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a, a, a passage of scripture that we've, we just finished with last week. 2 Corinthians 3. <laughs> I 
asked me, Pastor, why are you smiling? If, I can, if you can only see the breakthroughs that are happening over your life, oh my gosh, absolutely crazy over you. So good, man. <laughs> After today's message, you will know why John laughs all the time. <laughs> you know, when I, was a, when I was little, and maybe my sister might remember this, I don't know. Maybe she was too small. Uh, when I was little, my father, uh, I, I loved playing cricket. And uh, they did this cricket camp in, in, our, in our school. And uh, I started playing cricket. And, and nat I was a natural athlete. I don't look like it now, but <laughs> I was, it, it, athletics for me was very natural. So sports, I loved sports. I still love, I love team sports. Anybody love team sports? Yeah. Nice, very good, half of the crowd. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I love, uh, I love the, the, I love team sports. I love anything to do with the team. I enjoy it because there's so much of dynamics that I cannot control, and all of us with all the individuality have to come together towards one common goal, uh, and we have to learn to serve one another very much like church, um, to for the for the common goal. And so I, I started playing cricket, and I and I got really well, and I got selected for uh, a, a team, uh, and and. Uh, I was not happy with the equipment. So it was, it was two months before Christmas, and my father, um, uh, I, I went to the cricket store, and you know how we idolize um, equipment, especially when you're growing up in India. Uh, for those of you who don't know cricket, it's like it's 11 people play it, two guys are in the middle of, of all the action, and one controlling freak is controlling the entire game, and uh, that's the umpire. So, <laughs> and so, uh, and so that guy throws the ball, and one guy hits the ball, and they're different runs, okay? So, uh, so I was getting good at it, and uh, I wanted a bat of my own, because the bat that my school was providing were not really good. Uh, the strokes weren't happening properly, you know, drives and all that stuff. So uh, I kept looking at this cricket bat, and my father also saw me looking at the cricket bat, and he said, okay, Christmas, I'll buy you the cricket bat. One month before Christmas, the Holy Spirit in my house, my mom, told me, <laughs> told me, she told me, John, you better behave yourself because if you don't behave yourself, dad's not going to buy you that cricket bat. So I, from a very young age, had the gift of discernment. So I understood instantly <laughs> that the cricket bat was bought. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like, best behavior for one month. And get it? One month. And so um, one week before Christmas, uh, I was like, I cannot take the suspense. And so they, they hid it somewhere, and I was looking all over the place. I spent a week looking for this cricket bat, can't find it, and my dad's pretending like they don't have the bat. But, you know, I can hear them having the giggles there on the side. <laughs> and so then I figured it out that my dad would put it in a place where I can't reach. Thank you. He put it right up <laughs> on the shelf. And so when my dad was at work, I decided to search it out. So I climbed on the shelf, uh, and it was one of those, you know, the cement ones, not the IKEA ones now that, you know, <laughs> that would probably melt in as you climb on it. 
but climbed up and I saw the bat. <laughs> and I was like, best behavior stops. <laughs> so anyway, so, so as soon as I saw the bat, I started envisioning how I would play cricket. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, you make those noises as the cricket are growing up. It's like you start imagining the bowlers coming angry face and big bouncer and you go, six. <laughs> you start doing all the, and, and I was, you know, I was playing all these things and I was doing all this stuff and my dad's like, what's up with this guy? And, and all of that stuff, I started planning how I was going to use the bat. And when Christmas Day came, I was not surprised. It was the exact bat I wanted. Dad, thank you so much. Took the bat and I straight away ran out and started using it. Point to the story is this. When you search out a matter, God reveals mysteries to people who will obey them. He will reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to you if he knows you would do something about it. So when you hear mysteries and revelation and all that kind of stuff that comes from the word of God, don't puff yourself up saying, whoo, I got revelation. Brother, revelation without application equals to being full of pride. When you search a matter out and if you find it, it comes with a purpose. It comes with an authority. It comes with a responsibility and it comes with power. This is the impartation that you receive when you, when you search a matter. There's a glory that comes with revelation, personal revelation. But it comes only because you have to do something about it. Second Corinthians chapter 3. <laughs> this is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I'm telling you, your life is going to change. Verse 16. Are you there? <clears throat> Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I'm reading it again. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18. But we all, and he's talking about nevertheless one, then he's gone into we all with unveiled face. Listen to the, the language, listen to the English there. We all with unveiled face, which means the same revelation. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, which means the glory and the Lord are two different things. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now I'm going to break this down for us so that we can understand before we go any more further. Okay, it, now the, the key words here is nevertheless when one turns to the Lord, okay? Now look at me. It means that when a 
when you were an orphan, when you were in darkness, if this pulpit is the Lord, this is who you were. You did not know that God existed. We're talking about making God visible. Okay? The Bible is full of God being visible. But yet one verse in the Bible that talks about invisibility of God hinders us sometimes from experiencing and acknowledging his visibility. Okay? So if he says, nevertheless, it doesn't matter what your lifestyle is, it doesn't matter how steeped into the law you are, he's saying you were turned away from God. How many of you agree with me? Before you got saved, you were an enemy of God, right? And he says, when one turns to the Lord, two things happen. The veil is removed and you see the Lord. Okay? But in order for you to turn to the Lord, you have to hear the word. Do you understand? Somebody is speaking on SoundCloud. Somebody is speaking. But the Lord is speaking through that somebody. And every time you acknowledge that, that God is speaking to you, whatever veil you had on your face, you don't take it out. See, a lot of times we're trying to get out of the law. We're trying to get out of sin. We're trying to get out of our own habits. Lord, I want, I want, I want, I want. And, and all you need to do, hear the word and turn. He does everything else. He does everything else. But you must understand, who does it? It's the glory. God, the Lord is standing right there. Please listen to me. Look at, look at the analogy, that I, the example that I'm using. I'm using this pulpit now. And you're standing here. You can't see the Lord. The Lord is over there. You're standing here. But when you hear his voice through the word, you turn around and you see the Lord. And the veil is taken out of your eyes. So two things are happening. One is you the veil is taken off. That veil could, could resemble or, re, or it represents a, a lifestyle of sin. You living under the law and not in grace. It could represent habits, issues, debt, health, whatever issues that you may be having that is not of God in your life. It's a veil that is blocking you from seeing God. For example, it took me 10 years to see God as my healer because asthma and bronchitis was so much in my focus that it did not allow me, to, I could not even shake it off. It took someone, it took my wife to lay hands on me and pull out that veil. Do you understand? Do you understand? And when my eyes open, instant stop medication, depending on a crutch depending on something else, and started depending on the Lord for my healing. Do you understand? Every time you hear the word, it you turn. And something takes away the veil. And something makes God visible. Come on now. I'm glad you're, you're really with me on this message. Right? The Bible says that God is invisible. He's invisible. 
Can't see him. But when you turn and the veil is taken off, you can see the Lord. But read the next, the next verse says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Very interesting. Have you seen a spirit? You're not seeing a spirit? Are you sure? People say, well, Pastor, you know, I see people, people filled with demonic spirits and they manifest. You're seeing a demonic spirit possess a body and revealing itself. Are you getting it? In the same way, the Lord is the? How do you see the spirit? Look at the one sitting next to you. Ask them which spirit are you possessed with. <laughs> so we have now this beautiful progression taking place. Very beautiful. This, if I love to go down to the little details, I don't like to brush off anything and take into like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, oh, I'm changed, I'm transformed. But wow, how did you change? How did he do it? This is how he does it. Every time you receive revelation, you turn to the Lord. The old revelation is removed, and new revelation is what you see. This is how, this will save churches from creating denominations and separation in churches. This is how you do it. And then it says, now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's positional freedom. So every time I turn to the Lord... Something happens to the Lord from me seeing him outside. Because that pulpit, if it resembles the Lord and he's the spirit and I'm looking at it, that means that that place carries freedom. But if that spirit, that the Lord and his spirit lives on the inside of me. Every time I hear his voice and I turn, I don't have to turn outside of me. I don't need to see the Lord on the outside. I see the Lord on the inside. Every time I turn in my heart to the Lord, he reveals, he removes the old revelation in me and he begins to reveal a new side of glory that he receives fresh from the Father. That's how we grow from glory to glory. It's not by experiencing God on the outside. It's by experiencing God on the inside. Are you with me? So, where the spirit of the Lord is, it's, it's a, a very positional but authoritative position. Any part of your heart that is not submitted to the Lord is in bondage. So which means, so which means, if you're struggling, I'm just giving an example, please, no condemnation over anybody, okay? Let's say, let's say um, people are struggling, some people are struggling with pornography, right? And, uh, and this part is a secret 
issue. It's a secret sin, which means you're hiding it from people, family members, and you think you're hiding it from God. But when you hear his voice in your heart and you turn to him, the lie that you believed about pornography is taken away. So now you see the Lord and the satisfaction that the Lord can give you instead of looking at somebody else. You turn, good example, you, you turn to the Lord instead of looking at something else. Do you understand? You turn to the Lord and when you turn to the Lord, now that Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is so that is the way you get out of habits that's the way you stop struggling and striving with addictions it's all you need brother is you need to search him out when you search him out he reveals himself to you and when he reveals turn when you turn to him he removes he unveils the lies and then you begin to see him as he is and then that's when you begin to smile and then that's when you begin to experience the freedom. Why? It's because the, the, the throne of your heart that pornography was sitting on has a new king. Do you understand? When that king sits on the throne, the first judgment that he releases it's freedom. Freedom. Come on. Freedom. Just think about even your finances. Think about your health. The minute you hear the word of God and it sets you free. Instant. The first judgment. He doesn't judge you as guilty, condemn you, doesn't want to throw you in, into hell and all that kind of stuff. He judges you free. You are free. Sickness no longer has power over you because the minute the Lord comes in, sits on the throne of your health, freedom. No dependency on the doctor's report and the doctor's medication. I mean, I, I, mean, I was listening to my, Kelsey tell me Maha's testimony in the car and the doctor was like, if you don't take this medication and, and burn out your... Um, um, glands, uh, thyroid glands, and there's no hope. Right? It's very dangerous. But she forgot about it. I mean, how amazing is that? You will forget such an important instruction? Or, unless you, she was already in a state of freedom, that she did not allow the lies of the doctor to become a veil over the report of the Lord. The report of the Lord said... That she's free. I want to tell you, 2,000 years ago, there was a report that was released about your health and about your freedom. That you are healthy, you are free. Just allow the Lord to sit on the throne of your health. So good. So good. So good. So the first thing is that when a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken. The second thing is that the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The third thing is transformation takes place when you look into the Lord. 
The first one is that you, when you heard the voice of God, you turned to the Lord. Transformation doesn't take place then. Because you're looking him at him externally. But this transformation takes place. This is the beauty about transformation. Transformation takes place when you look into the Lord. This is where the searching really starts happening. You can come to church and you can become a son and all that kind of stuff is absolutely fine. But for you to move in authority over sickness, for you to move in authority over debt, over, over uh, the economy of the region, if you want to move into these kind of things, the, uh, and I'm, I'm really sensing for business people now, you have to learn to understand kingly authority. If God gave you a business, that means he gave you authority over that business. The bank does not have authority over the business. Your investors don't have, definitely don't have authority over that business. You stand accountable to God for your business, for his business. Do you understand? Your business is not even yours. It's his. So you be accountable to God for his business. Right? So transformation takes place when you look into the Lord. Look, say the word look. Okay, so look has a, it needs you to see with these two things. Right, right here, above your nose. But he's calling us to look into the Lord, which means to see God and experience him. You can't see God and experience him. Do you understand? Again, those smiles are gone down. <laughs> Stay connected. It will all make sense. Don't worry. This is how I, I teach. I've been doing it for over four years. If you're new to this house, you will, I, I take you on a journey exposing everything about God. But listen to me very carefully. When you see the Lord, you experience freedom. So when you look into the Lord, you experience transformation. Why? Let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you how angels work. Are you okay? Can I, I'll freak you out a little bit. Angels are like mirrors. Okay. On earth, they're like mirrors. They mimic you. You think angels do different things. But the angels that God has assigned to your life mimic you. They do exactly what you do. If you praise, they'll praise. They're spirit beings. They don't do things with understanding. They do things with obedience. So they look at, and the Bible says, who is man that you are mindful? That's an angel talking. Who is man that you are mindful of him? And they look at men and women, look at sons, and they're like, what is it about this guy? What is it about this woman that God gave his life for them? And so there must be something about you. So they look at you and how pleased God is with you, and they begin to mimic you. You worship, they worship. You sing, they'll begin to sing like you. Have you noticed in our church that many times this has happened, that our voices seem to be twice as loud as anything else in the room? 
Why is that? It's because they're angels, like, they're like glass all around this place. And they mimic, they mimic the sounds, and it increases the sound of worship in this region. We begin to pour out increased levels of supernatural worship and singing when angels join in. Do you understand? The sound of heaven is not coming from heaven. It's coming out of you. Do you understand? Heaven joins in with our song singing holy, holy, holy. Don't take your worship lightly. Don't think, oh, I cannot, I I don't have a voice to sing. I cannot sing. Angels will make them sound nice. Don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry about it. One day when I, I, I freaked out Angela and Blanche in the car this Tuesday, and I played some, uh, a song uh, that, a, that a musician went into a studio. He made the room completely dark. And, uh, and he sang in Spanish. And it's called Mi Amor. And he began to sing. And he has such a, 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 f- a relationship with these angels that they come and they begin to sing. They sound exactly like him, but times many. They take his voice and they begin to sing, 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 sing. They don't stop. And it's like literally they are, they are instruments in themselves. The reason why I'm saying this is because you are more clued into the angels than the one who created them. See, it's easy for you to look into the angels right now because I started describing them. But we talk about God 24-7 and we have a lethargic spirit towards his word. I'm not, I'm not, this is not a condemnation. This is just a, I'm trying to make you aware of, of how, what importance we play. We think that God is, is like man. He's not like man. In fact, the realm of the spirit is in God. He's not in the realm of the spirit. The realm of the spirit is in him. He is so big that a realm cannot, cannot contain him. So he contains the realm. He, cont- he holds, he's out of time. He, look, he sees uh, the past from the present. He knows all things that happen. He can come in at any time. Right now, in God's time, Abraham was on the mountaintop. Do you understand? Right now, Jesus was, was, was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. On the spectrum of time, God is outside of it and he's looking at Jesus crying out for mercy on the cross. Right now, right now. That's why we have forgiveness. Anybody who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Why? It's because Jesus is still on that cross right now, outside of time, saying, Father, forgive them. There is a place, and this is the place of transformation, right here, the third point. Transformation takes place when you look into the Lord, when you search out, search him out, not just give me a solution for the problems, when you search him when you look for Jesus, when you look for God, when you look to understand the mysteries of his glory, that's when he begins to be transformed right on the inside of you. And as the glory of God begins to shine, 
the natural tendency for you and I is to begin to reveal glory. Do you understand? But it comes with a purpose. Transformation comes with a purpose. There's a sphere of influence that God has given you and I for us to be able to bring transformation to the world. Let me, let me, let me, okay. Romans chapter 8, let's go there. Romans chapter 8. Are you okay? You stop smiling. We'll read uh, 18, 19, and maybe 20. If you give me permission. Do I have your permission? Okay, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be which shall be revealed in us not upon us in us for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God now listen to this one for creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, please look at me. I know that's a lot of revelation in that and, and I'll, I'll just touch on it a little bit, okay? We must understand that in order for us to experience the glory, transformation glory, you have to have purpose in mind when you're going to the word. If it is only about you, that's fine. You're still in a son. If it's only for your family, you're still a son. But when you go to the scriptures and you go to God searching the scriptures with creation in mind, then he will begin to give you authority over creation. So he'll transform you according to the need. He will open up the scripture. Now, for example, if John wasn't a pastor, John was just a worship leader, he will reveal the scriptures to me. He will reveal the mysteries to me according to what my purpose is. But in order for me to step into a pastoral role, it requires me to have revelation that can feed people. So he opens the scripture according to need. Now, if John as a pastor believes and thinks that God has called me to be a king over the city, not this city, but you know what I mean, in, in the kingdom of God, that we have the ability to, to influence and add value to the city that we live in, then God begins to transform me according to the need of the city. Why? It's because all of creation has been subjected to futility, which means all of creation is corrupting. You plant a tree, 20 years from now you'll chop down the tree because it's of no use. It's corrupting. And God has purposely put them under corruption, under futility, in hope that you will be transformed. All of creation, 
All the planets, all of that stuff is corrupting until the sons of God are revealed. But what reveals the sons of God? Come on now. What reveals the sons of God? For I consider, are you listening? For I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the which shall be. So which means in order for all of creation to see who you are, you need glory. So glory, the natural state of glory is to be able to make an invisible God visible. At the same time, the glory makes a transformed son visible to all of creation. This is very important because that's your purpose. When Jesus was baptized and he went into the wilderness, the Bible says that wild animals fellowshiped with him. Why did they go to him? Because the glory revealed to them that this was the Son of God. And that they are with hope, their earnest expectations, that these sons will begin to be manifested by the glory of God. This is the earnest expectation. All of creation is like they're sitting at the edge of their seats waiting for you to search a matter out. We're too considered, we're too bothered about the bills that we're going to pay. We're thinking about, oh my gosh, what am I going to do after church today? But all of creation is waiting for you to wake up. Is waiting for the church to wake up to truly find out who you really are. You're not, a, you're not an orphan. You're not just a son, but you're a king. You have a, an, a glory that is revealing to all of creation that you carry the authority and the responsibility and the power to set them free from corruption. You want to talk about the economy and recession? What authority do you have to change it? We're thinking the banking system needs to change and we need to make an influence in the banking. No, what, what if you just change everything? Well, we're so concerned about Hollywood and what Hollywood is doing. Why can't you just change it? What authority do you have? No, no, I need to be in Hollywood in order to make a change. No, you don't have to be in Hollywood. We have lots of Hollywood in the church anyways. <laughs> Hollywood and Bollywood happening at the same time. But, but nobody's going to God saying, God, I want to search for you in the scriptures. I want to search you out. I want to know the mysteries of this glory. So the first thing the glory does is it, it makes an invisible God visible. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 33. So this is, it says over there, if you have the New King James Bible, verse 7, just above it, it says, Moses meets with the Lord. Is that in your Bible? 
Moses meets with the Lord. Is it there? Okay. So that means it's about Moses and the Lord having a meeting. Okay. Let's read from verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended. Okay. Look at me now, please, for one second. When Moses entered the tabernacle, the tent appeared, the, the pillar appeared. It descended. Let me do it again so that you understand what I'm saying. When Moses entered the tabernacle where God's presence was, he saw a pillar descend. Let me do it one more time. When Moses entered into the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the glory made the pillar visible to Moses. Okay, can you handle it? Yes. Don't try to find out what is the point of what he's saying. Just don't, don't go down that road. Just listen to what I'm saying and, and be, see what I'm saying. When Moses entered, something happened to Moses. Wait, why did Moses enter? He wanted to... He was searching. For the Lord. When he went into the presence of God, his eyes opened and he saw the, the glory of God or the, he saw the Lord, the pillar, descend into the room. Which means that every time you walked into this church, if you understood what the glory of God does, it will reveal God straight away. No need of worship song. No need of dancing and jumping around. Absolutely nothing. You just... Enter in. Now you, you'll have a good uh, appreciation for the glory of God. Just imagine. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give. You don't have to do anything. Is in the middle of the desert, man. But because he was searching for the Lord, his eyes were open. Not his eyes. The glory made God visible. That's only from one line. I've got to finish to verse 19. So praise the Lord. I'm, I'm full of joy. I can tell. Right. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door. Oh my gosh. That means it walked of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. <laughs> this is glory, man. How, people have asked me, how do you hear God's voice? You cannot hear God's voice in the natural unless the glory makes him audible. Which means God is speaking all the time. But you have not understood what glory does. See, a lot of us have glory already. Guess where it is? 
So the glory exists. So the key element to, to, to revealing God is already in you. You don't need a worship song. You don't need to come to church service. In order for me to go, wow, deep revelation. Oh my gosh, I got this just by reading my Bible, man. I just got this because I understood. Glory makes God visible. You okay? And then here, look, look at this now. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. One guy was searching, all saw. And all the people rose and worshipped God and each man at his tent door. So which means, what is the sun doing? The sun is, is standing, the Lord is standing at the door of the tabernacle and God is talking to Moses. So every man begins to stand at the tent of his door, but no one wants to talk to God. That's the sons, sonship, right? Sonship, everybody's okay. I'm okay, I'm okay being with my identity as a son. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But someone, someone who had a purpose to lead three million people went in. Do you understand? Come on, man. If you don't go to God with, with kingdom purpose, you won't get revelation. If, you don't, if you're only going to God with God, provide my needs according to your riches and glory. Yes, that will happen. Because you're sons. But what about asking God, say, God, you know, I understand that there's a recession problem, which means people have a fear issue of spending money. Give me a mystery that can help people come out of fear. It's not a money problem. It's a fear issue. How do we, how do we take on the atmosphere that, is, that has fear in, in it? You start a company and call it atmosphere. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, verse 11, right? <laughs> so the Lord spoke to Moses face to As a man speaks to his... Okay, now think about this now, okay? The Lord is not facing outward. He's come and blocked the entrance. Can't get out. Do you understand? It's a tent. The middle of the desert. God has showed up. And the Lord's come and stood at... He's talking to Moses. He stood at the door. You can't even escape. Can't even run out. It's like, ah, no, God, you're too much. You're too much. I've heard people say, God is too, too much. He's just too much for me, too much for me. And then the, then the glory begins to lift off their life. And then they come to church and they're like, whoa, 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 what happened? What happened? Whoa, 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 what happened? What happened is you said it's, it's too much. And he heard you. God is never too much. In fact, you need more and more of God. Right? So anyway, I need to move on because this is getting very intense for me. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Face to face. Face to... <laughs> That's face to face. This is not face to face. This is face very far away. That's face to face. 
You know what that means? It means that Moses' veil was taken off. And God became so close to him. Face to face. Which friend do you have that talks to you like that? <laughs> I wonder if those 2,000, 3,000 people on Facebook do any face to face with you. Well, okay, you just uh, sit at the other side of the table and we'll have coffee and then everything is okay. It was really, is that friendship? God's a little more intense. He's more intense than you really think he is. He's not a man. When, you, when he calls you his friend, <laughs> face to face, <laughs> face to face. Some of us need some face-to-face -face with our wives and husbands. Come on. By the way, there's some good stuff happening. It's in the pipeline. Anyway, I'll tell you. <laughs> need some face-to-face. Face-to-face. You know, I'll tell you, if you want to know what intimacy is, look at the person as close as you can. Really? Want to get married? Huh? All you young ones, all uh, like, you know? What is that Korean pop thing? And you're like so like K-pop and you're like bebop and all that kind of stuff. And you think you're so in love, but actually you are not. It's just an infatuation because true love is face to face. It's intense. Praise the Lord. Some of the husbands are like, preach it, pastor. I need some face action right now. <laughs> And then, and then while, <laughs> while they're talking, Moses and God, verse 12, Moses, and now he starts grumbling, okay, while he's doing face to face. <laughs> then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Just think about the question. I mean, it's so, so dumb. Like you said, bring up these people and, and who, like, who, who are you sending with me? Is it dumb or is it a very smart question? Because <laughs> it could sound dumb. Look, he's giving you three million people and you're saying, who are you going to send with me? Or Moses, one of the most smartest guys you've ever met, he's setting up God. Do you understand? This is a setup. He's acting dumb. <laughs> Moses said to the Lord, See, see. He's telling God to see. You say to me, that's another different statement altogether. Because he should have said, But God, you told me. He says, See. <laughs> you say to me, bring up these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet, you have said, I know you by name. <laughs> and, you have, and you have also found grace in my sight. 13. Now therefore I pray. If I have found. if First he says, I have found grace. And then he says, if I have found grace. In your sight, 
Show me now your way. This is the biggest setup in the Bible. And I'm telling you, God loves to be set up. Because somebody is searching. This is a search. Surge. This surging. Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, if you're a son, the presence of your father gives you security. You're fine. The, your father provides for you. Absolutely fine. A lot of the times, the church is camped around the presence. But let me tell you something. Are you listening? Yeah. If you don't listen with kingdom understanding, you will think I'm a heretic. Pay very close attention. A lot of the times, people pursue the presence, but they don't pursue him. Yeah. Think about what I'm saying. You know that I'm in the room because you know my presence is in the room. But there's a difference between John being in the room and you pursuing John. And a lot of times, sons are absolutely fine with the presence of God. But kings want something more. Kings want something more. Here's the secret. Verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Here's the bait. Please show me your glory. How will three million people know that you are with me? You must understand, the presence of God was with them. Cloud by day, fire by night, they're seeing God's presence at the tent. But how will they know that you are with me? See, pursuing God is a personal thing. You can pursue God as a church can experience the presence of God and it's absolutely glorious. But there's something, something shifts in your understanding. I call it maturity. When you start pursuing God for his glory. Show me your glory. Because the presence shows me the way. Show me now your way that I may know you. And he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. A lot of the times we're fine with that. It's a difference between the presence and the glory, man. The glory is phenomenal. Let me tell you this, 19. Then he said, I will make, okay? Please ask the question. Ask the question together. 
verse 18. Okay, let's read it together. And he said, please. Okay, now, now you need to know that you're in the presence of God. Okay, now I need you to ask this question like you are asking God the question. Not because John's asking you to repeat it. So I need you to ask God. Okay, ready? One, two, three. And he said, Is that how you ask God for glory? Okay. Just say, say it one more time. Please show me. One more time. Please. Okay. Here's the answer. You ready? And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. That's it. That's it. Look, it keeps going on, but I just want to stop here for now. He says, I will make all my goodness, not all my goodness, all my goodness pass before you. Have you ever seen goodness? You've seen goodness in people. You've seen goodness in your boss. You've seen goodness all around you. But you've never thought that glory was revealing. <laughs> How many of you in this room have got healed? Put your hand up. Wow, that's a majority of our people. So how many of you say you saw the goodness of God? How did you see the goodness of God? Because the glory revealed, he made an invisible God visible. When you needed that, that bill to show up, that payment for that bill, the money to show up, and you came to church and you received a prophetic word, right? You received a prophetic word and you, you said, Lord, I receive it. He removed the veil before your eyes. Walked away and then suddenly money showed up in your account and you're wondering. And you're like, I need to send a testimony to testimonies at lifechurchglobal.com. It's phenomenal. But he revealed his goodness to you. He made an invisible God visible. When you look at, you look at a, a, a mother who's pregnant with a baby and... And on that day, the baby comes out. Everybody celebrates the baby and they're like, wow, prophetic word, all that stuff. They don't see the goodness of God that brought the baby out. They don't see the goodness of God that kept that baby for nine months, protected that child for nine months fed the child for nine months, held the child for nine months, grew the child for nine months, kept that child away from sickness and disease and all that kind of stuff. For nine months, the goodness of God was manifesting on the inside of a stomach. And we think it's just childbirth, man. It's just childbirth. It's a miracle. It's goodness of God 
He's revealing His goodness. When Jesus was, um, when Lazarus, who was Jesus' friend, died, Jesus was literally, he was like, oh my gosh, Martha, just take it easy, man. Just take a chill pill. <laughs> and he tells Martha, Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe you will okay we think the glory was manifested in the resurrection it is but how did a guy who was bound hand and foot come out how many times have we lost the opportunity to be transformed into the image and likeness of the Son because we treated testimony time. What about me? I wish people on SoundCloud could see my expressions. They would know exactly what I'm talking to my church about. One day. <laughs> the glory of God makes God visible. But also the glory of God makes God experiential. quite lonely up there. <laughs> There's so much of glory on in this room right now that I can't stand on the stage. It's more here than it's on the stage. But you must understand that the glory of God makes God experiential. Have you ever invited anyone to your house, Brother Joseph? was invisible how did you know they came into your house this is Sudarshan by the way all the way from Sri Lanka just say hi to him he came all the way from Sri Lanka how did you know because he's here The presence of God is invisible, isn't it? How do you know He's here? Why did you come back to this church? It's probably because you experienced something last week. But how did you experience that? Unless the glory made him experiential.
You know, I've been in a room <clears throat> where God becomes so experiential, there's no difference between heaven and earth. How many of you want to see angels? Put your hand up. God's watching. Take it. Look, look, it's shifting. It's okay. It's fine. They're just telling you that they're here. It's okay. <laughs> you know, when the glory of God begins to make God experiential, it also begins to make you experience heaven on earth. Let me rephrase that again because I really didn't feel you got it. But when the glory of God is in the room, the glory slows heaven's frequency down and makes it natural. So that you and I, who are slower than angels, slower than heaven itself, are able to, hey, I saw that angel move like, whoa. How many of you would say that when you were sitting down in your car or in a, in a room, that you saw a flash of light just go past you? Yeah. What happened? The glory of God made that angel moving visible. It was always there. See, the scripture says that God is always present. He's always present. Never leaves us, never forsakes us. But do you experience Him every moment of the day? See, if you pursue the glory of God, if you ask God, show me your glory, the glory makes heaven visible. See, when heaven becomes Visible when the glory comes into a room uh, like it is now and everything that is in heaven becomes visible to you and I. For some time, for some, it would be just like feathers will fall on them. For some, it would be like gold dust. Some would say, whoa, gold dust. Where's this in the Bible? Well, it's there in the Bible, man. You just didn't see it. Because the glory never exposed it to you because your heart was never for the kingdom. See, the Bible says that the streets of heaven are made of gold. So gold dust is just a byproduct of God moving. gold dust on your face <laughs> see the, the glory of God makes heaven and it's everything about heaven and its influence on earth visible visible I've been in a room where, where gemstones I mean we got a gemstone just the other day where did that come from the intensity of worship, the praise was so much that glory popped out 
a gemstone. We're like, wow, gemstone. But there's so many floating around. Oh, come on. Your healing is just floating around in this room. Your provision, money is just floating around in this room. How can you say I receive it unless the glory shows it to you? People ask me, wow, Pastor John, you know, you have word of knowledge and, uh, you know, you move in this thing, you're prophesying, you're, wow, you know, is it a gift? Baba, I pursue the glory. The glory reveals everything. That's why I can, I laugh most of the time. Right? See, you did not know, but there were angels in the ICU. Because God was saying, I see you. <laughs> it's just a play on words. No, no. It's just a play on words. Why do you have to laugh so much? Don't you know there's so much of suffering in the world? <laughs> I laugh because I have the solution. If you only knew that all the problems in the world, that you had the solution to those problems, <laughs> you would be laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> a lot of times people have an issue with prosperity but prosperity is not about money it's about the richness of heaven on earth and living in an open heaven where everything of God is accessible to me do you understand that's prosperity prosperity is not living with poverty in mind You know, I've been in, in rooms where, um, where people, uh, you must understand, the glory doesn't accept anything uh, that is of the earth to remain the same. Right? So which means if you are slightly on the larger side, start shedding your weight. <laughs> you can pull on the glory anytime. You can pull on heaven at any time. You don't have to, you don't have to wait for me to say, now the glory has come into, the glory was already here before you walked in. Moses stepped in. And he saw. What do you see right now? You're looking at a guy who's walking amongst people, making people laugh a little bit. Why am I making people laugh? Because joy is of the Lord, man. I'm making you, glory is making you aware of the joy of the Lord. <laughs> oh. Just push him up, push him up. Stop it. Stop all this. <laughs> this is not in the Bible. Stop it. <laughs> I'll catch you later. <laughs> so good, isn't it? How many of you feel good? 
your awareness is increasing right now. You should be able to feel God. You should be able to experience Him right now. It says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. On the Lord's day, I saw a door open. And I heard a trumpet sound. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, Come up here. Come up now. He didn't say, Come up five years from now. He didn't say, Come up when you've repented of your sins. He says, Come up now. The glory of the Lord is making God visible now. said he will make all his goodness all his goodness not just some not just one miracle but all his goodness I will make. He asked for glory and he says, I will make all my goodness pass by you. And he says, I will make my name. I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your midst. Which means he changes your hearing to hear the voice of the Lord proclaiming his name. Sing praises to your name. <laughs> That's a sentence that joins with the sound of heaven. I sing praises to your name. The name that so much higher than all names I give honor to your name give honor to your name the name that's so much greater than all names. The only way you can lift him up is if you know he's in this room. <laughs> and be lifted up. Be lifted higher. And be lifted up.
experience the power of your name, Lord. I give honor. Come on. I give honor to your name. Honor to your name. The name that's so much greater than all names. Oh, come on. Be lifted up. Lift him up. 